Good morning. Welcome to worship at Church of the Palms. We're so glad to have you here. If you are new to worship with us, we invite you to visit our website or to connect with us on Facebook where you can learn a lot more about who we are, things happening here, and uh, different ways you can serve alongside of us. A couple of announcements for you this morning. Uh, As we've resumed singing, we're also returning to coffee. Darn it. I meant to bring you my mug. We're asking that if you are a a coffee drinker, that you bring your own mug as we care for the earth and we get to know each other better. I had a great one picked out, but it's on my desk. So uh, we ask that you bring your own mug and and linger. So nice um, to be gathered in worship together and raising our voices, but nice too to be able to resume our fellowship under the tree. Uh, Along those lines, you should dig out your name tag. There's no judgment or shame if you've lost yours, which I did. Um, We can order new ones for you. So you can reach out to the front office and they will get you a new name tag. So again, we can grow in relationship with one another. For our students, our student ministry is putting on a Worship Under the Stars event on June 27th, so that's one week from today, and it's in the courtyard. It's going to be just hopelessly hip. There's going to be a barista and ice cream sandwiches and all kinds of other things. Um, The people who are offering coffee there are from a local company called Rise and Nye. And if you haven't heard of Rise and Nye, they employ people with developmental disabilities and a lot of the profits uh, from their work goes to support of that community. So we're excited to be partnering with them for this Worship Under the Stars event. Students are encouraged to bring their own blanket or a chair to, to sit in for that evening. July 4th is two weeks from today, and we're asking that you might look through your closet and pull out your best red, white, and blue and join us for worship on that morning, and we'll be putting together some sort of limited food offering under the tree in between services as we celebrate our nation's birth. Finally, today is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day to those of you who um, are a father, and we have a video message for you from the children at at Palms Preschool, so enjoy. Four, fourteen, thirty-seven, twenty-seven, twenty-five, fifty, um, ten. He goes like to the park and runs around like on the cement. She comes. Do a backflip. Peanut butter and jelly. Needles. Creamy needles. Spaghetti. Wonderful man. 
Out of the 
Hello again. My name is Sarah. I'm the director of Outreach and Families, although that just changed, and I can't on the top of my head think of what it is. So we'll go with that today. Um, now is the time in our service where we have the opportunity to pray for and with one another. And I have a couple of very um, excited mic runners here who will bring a microphone to you uh, to give you the opportunity to share any prayer requests you might have. Would you like to introduce yourselves first, perhaps? Uh, good morning. I'm Blake Quigley, and I'm going to be a freshman at Florida State University this coming fall. My name's Jaden Ray, and I'll be a senior at Venice High next year. So what can we be praying for, friends? Um, many of you may know of a local boy named Bo Christensen who is, um, had an operation on a brain tumor a couple weeks ago and is, they're throwing everything at it, chemo, radiation, and immunotherapy. And we know that God can heal. And so we're just throwing up so many prayers, um, for their family and for him. It's a very faithful family, so um, we pray that he's healed and that he can have a great story to inspire others and give all the glory to God when he's healed. For Bo. Bo. Mm -hmm. Cancer's always awful, but especially when it affects young people far too soon. What else can we be praying for, friends? Anita Lustria fell and cracked her head. She's, uh, I'm, they think she's going to be fine, but... Very scary all the same Absolutely. for her and Mike both. Thank you, Marion. All right, let us pray. Oh, Anne, yes, of course. Yes. I was also going to mention... Um, 
to have the Montreat trip um, in our prayers because we know that camp is, or retreats or mission trips, all those can be so um, impactful. Mm-hmm. And there's um, two Young Life camps going this summer, also high school and middle school. So if mm-hmm. everyone could please um, pray for those and that these kids have that opportunity to put their phones away and <clears throat> really connect with each other. Thank you, Anne. Anything else that we might be praying for? We invite you always to, to write down uh, any prayers that you might have, and we'll pray over those this week, though we know God hears them all, right? So let us pray. Gracious and amazing God, as you name all the stars and know them by name, uh, we know that you know us and you know our hearts. And we come to you today, Father, and we just ask that you would bring healing to Bo, that you would bring comfort, that his family and Bo himself would feel your presence, that they would um, be assured by it, and that, um, Father, that he would be uh, able to experience your healing. We ask for you, too, to um, uh, just pour into our friends Anita and Mike, and, and um, that they would enjoy one another and the certainty of your presence in their lives. And we ask today that you would be with young people who are heading out um, on mission trips, that they would open themselves up to you, Father. It's been a really, really hard year, and that uh, they would uh, create the space in their own hearts and souls to witness to um, your life, your son, and to experience the, the true peace that only you can bring. And we ask all of this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Now I invite you to stand up and say hello to one another in whatever way you're comfortable doing at this stage of the game. Okay, okay, enough of this frivolity. Good morning again. My name is, thank you very much, yeah. Nice to get some response from the crowd, that's good. My name is Steve, and uh, I am one of the pastors here. Uh, along with Lori and uh, Mingi, who uh, Mingi is uh, on sabbatical leave. That's why you haven't been seeing her. And uh, Lori is uh, actually away preaching at a neighboring church that needs a little help in the pulpit. So uh, we'll look forward to having her back next Sunday. So today we move to our third window on our Windows on the Word series as we feature the beautiful faceted stained glass windows that you'll find in our just rededicated Memorial Chapel. This window, which you will see here on the screen, uh, features uh, Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. Actually, just one disciple, the disciple Peter. We call it the service window, and it shows Jesus attempting to wash the feet of Peter. But as you can see, Peter has his hands outstretched as in 
doing his best to sort of resist the washing out of a sense maybe of humility, believing himself unworthy to have his feet washed by the master. Up above the window is a basin of water and a towel, which are the symbols of service. So with this window in mind, let's turn to the story as told to us by John, the gospel writer, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20, and then some verses from Matthew's gospel. Hear the word of God. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from his, this world and go to the Father, and having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered, you do not know what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And Jesus said to him, you will, Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, well then, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, one who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you, for he knew who was to betray him, and for this reason he said, not all of you are clean. And after he had washed their feet, he put on his robe and had returned to the table, and he said to them, do you know that I have, what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but it is to fulfill the scripture. The one who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I tell you this now before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Very truly I tell you, whoever receives one whom I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And then these words from Matthew chapter 27. So when Pilate saw that he could do nothing, but rather a riot was beginning, he took some water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood, see to it yourselves. And then the people as a whole answered, His blood be upon us and on our children. So he released Barabbas for them, and after flogging Jesus, he handed him over to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we ask, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, where we pray this in his name. Amen. Wendell Berry, in his short story, Pray Without Ceasing, tells the story of two friends who lived in a small Kentucky town at the beginning of last century, two old farmers, Ben Felter and Thad Coulter. It was one of those small towns where everybody knew everybody and friendships ran deep. 
Ben and Thad had been the best of friends for a long time. However, tragedy descended upon the two men when Thad had run into financial problems. He had gone into a risky business venture with his irresponsible son and had put up his farm as collateral and the whole thing went belly up and Thad, now realizing he might lose his farm, took first to the bottle and then went to his friend Ben for help to save his farm. Not wanting to talk business with his quite inebriated friend, Ben told Thad to go home, sleep it off, come back in the morning. Well, with his inability to think straight, Thad took it as rejection, so went home, got more drunk, found his gun, returned to his friend, and in a moment of temporary insanity, shot and killed him. The rest of the story is this story of grief and shock, but also grace and forgiveness extended by the victim's family and the community to a man who had for a brief moment lost his mind. Unable, however, to accept the grace Old Thad took his own life. At one point, the wise old matriarch of the family says this. People sometimes talk of God's love as if it's a pleasant thing. But it is a terrible thing in a way. Think of all it includes. It included Thad Coulter, drunk and mean and foolish, before he killed Mr. Feltner. And it included him Afterwards, it even includes people who cannot bear it. When I first read that line, I had to read it over again, so I'm going to do the same for you. People sometimes talk of God's love as a pleasant thing, but it is terrible in a way. Think of all it includes. It included Thad Coulter, drunk and mean and foolish before he killed Mr. Feltner and it included him afterwards. It even includes people who cannot bear it. It's this line that came to mind when I was thinking of the story of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. John fills the story with a great measure of foreboding. Jesus understands what's happening, what's unfolding. The shadow of the cross is lengthening upon him. The hour of his departure is nigh. The devil has already put it into the heart of Judas to betray him. Peter is soon to fail with the opportunity to love and defend his master. The disciples will all fall away. John tells us that it is in this moment that the Father had given all things into Jesus' hands. And so with all things in Jesus' hands, Jesus fills a basin of water, wraps a towel around his waist, bends on his knees, and begins to wash the dusty, stinky feet of the disciples. Now, of course, this is not something Jesus has to do. First of all, this is not likely the first foot washing of the night. Earlier, when the whole lot of them entered the room or the house, a servant had already ceremoniously washed their feet, as would have been the custom. So this is something Jesus doesn't have to do on that count. And on another count, Jesus knows this gang. He knows they're going to be faithless friends. He knows they're not going to come through. He knows that one will double-cross, another will deny, and the rest will run away. He just doesn't have to do this because they don't deserve it. But the love of God is a terrible thing. It includes even the undeserving even these faithless, disappointing friends, before their betrayal, 
and afterward. So good for Peter, we think, to put out his hand and say, no, good for him. At least he understands this terrible love of God that insists on derobing, getting down on his knees, plunging his hands into water, and bathing the feet of even them, even him. Peter sees the incongruity. Peter sees what little sense this makes. Peter knows that the role should be reversed. No way, Jesus, you're never washing my feet. You'll never come this close. You will never touch this part of me. But the love of God is a terrible thing. It comes this close. It touches those places we wish not to be touched. It forgives even that for which we cannot forgive ourselves. Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Unless I wash you, I, I really am not connected to you. Unless I wash you, I really can't understand you. Unless I wash you, I cannot know you. Unless I hold the feet of the one who will soon walk over me, I really can't show you how much I love you, how terribly how terribly I love you. So good for Peter to understand what's happening, that there's this bigger picture, this rabbi who sheds his robe and dons his towel is the son of the Most High who has shed his robes of glory, descended to Bethlehem's manger and to the dusty trails of Palestine and to the wilderness taunts of the devil and to the stupid questions of the disciples and to the endless arguments with the know-it-all Pharisees. You know, I, I really, Jesus says, I really don't have to do this. I really don't. Stay up in my heavens and keep on my purple robe. I can keep my feet and hands clean of all this. I don't really have to bother. But bother I do. Because to not bother is to mean that you have no part in me. And this will not do. God will not do without having a part in us. This is the terrible love of God who will go to any length to be a part of us and for us to have a part in him. Which then makes the next day a pretty silly day. Oh, it's a serious day. It's Good Friday, but it's an ironic day at best. Pilate thinking he has all things in his hands. Pilate thinking that destiny is his to enforce. Pilate standing before the Galilean rabbi reaches for his own basin of water, donning his Roman robes and seals, plunges his hands into his own basin and washes his own hands. Washes his hands of Jesus. I wash my hands of you. I... I am not connected to you. I am not responsible for you. You have no part in me. You're on your own, pal. You, such a juxtaposition, the terrible love of God one night and the terrible injustice of humanity the following day. Unless I wash you, you have no part of me, says the Son of the Most High, kneeling with his basin and towel at our faithless, fickle feet. And if we were honest with ourselves, we'd much rather be Pilate. I mean, let's be honest. We have been Pilate, standing in our hall of judgment, looking askance at all those behaviors and opinions and attitudes and politics and betrayals and denials and slights of injustices. 
all those things that have gotten underneath our skin and we plunge our hands into the lukewarm waters of self-righteousness and we wash our hands and we wash our hands and we wash our hands of all those that we fear might contaminate us. We wash our hands of people close and far, people we don't know, people we think we know too well, and it's all so silly. We see the Savior at our feet. We see him touching all the infectious parts of our lives, and we see how silly we are, seated in the hall of judgment, washing our own hands. We see how terrible God's love is, and it's terrible because we know it's a love into which we are invited to participate, to love the very people we know are against us, the very people who appear infectious, the very people who do not share our values. Unless I wash you, you have no part in me, you have no part of me. That's what God will not endure for us not to have a part in him and for us not to have a part in each other. Do you remember the cooties? The childhood infectious disease detected by no epidemiologist but as real to children as the coronavirus. Do you remember the kid in your school who had the cooties and you had to do whatever you could to stay away and not be touched? Some even washed their hands. It was Julie Johnson at Gordon Elementary. God forbid you got close to Julie Johnson. When she walked onto the playground, someone would start to yell, Johnson, Johnson, and we'd all start shouting, Johnson, Johnson, and that meant that Julie just walked to the playground untouched and untalked to. Gordon Elementary's untouchable. It's crazy what we thought. It's crazy what we did. And it's hard, isn't it, to give up childish ways? Because the cooties are still there, right? At least we act like they are. We've figured out all sorts of imaginary reasons why we might wash our hands of others. These people who have done us wrong or have not done something we think they should have done or have lived different lives than we do. And we, we, we'd rather them to have no part in us then there's this terrible love of God right there at our feet, taking our basin of judgment and with it washing our feet. Years ago, I remember reading the story of a Miami man who had made it his mission to be a regular visitor to a Miami nursing home where he would visit an ailing old man named David McAllister. Mr. McAllister was a man without family or friends. No one had been to see him for a long time, but Chris Carrier, a 32-year-old guy, had become his regular visitor. He found out David's favorite foods, and he would bring those along with him for each visit, including David's favorite fish, smoked amberjack. They talked about everything under the sun, including their hopes and their regrets. And one regret Mr. McAllister had was that 20 years before, in order to get back of the man who had owed him a lot of money, he committed a rather insane, heinous crime.
crime. He abducted the man's son as he was walking home from school, attacked the boy, drove his wounded body to the Everglades, and left him for dead. The boy survived but lost sight in one of his eyes. For 20 years, the police were unable to solve the case until Mr. McAllister, on his own, confessed the crime as he weakened away in a nursing home. When the police received the confession, they reached out to the victim, the boy who had become a man, a 32-year-old man named Chris Carrier, which explains the visits to the nursing home. Mr. Carrier said that he had prayed for a long time that he'd be given the chance to do something he'd always hoped to do, to sit before the very man who had altered his life and forgive him face to face absolve him of his guilt, wash his feet, to make him a part of him, to love him to the end with the terrible love of God. And along the way, some nice pieces of smoked amberjack. Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Do you remember the Mennonite church in Landisville, Pennsylvania, this little tight-knit community of Christ, and how a 14-year-old son of the church one Sunday afternoon took the life of his parents and sister? An event that shook that little community. What's the church then to do? Well, they established a legal support committee to provide for the boy's needs so that his surviving brother and sister wouldn't have to. They founded a 70 times 7 fund to collect money to cover the boys' expenses. They studied grief and forgiveness in sermons and Bible studies. They held a service of lament for those they lost and a service of forgiveness for the one who remained. Why? Why? Because God's love is a terrible love. I'm not sure where the cooties are in your life what untouchable person or group of people you're staying away from, what unforgivable sin you're holding judgment over, what people on whatever side of the issue that get under your skin that make your blood boil. Best, we say, to run away to the other side of the playground. Best to stay away from any infection they might carry. Or to look down at the heavenly gown laid aside and the towel and the basin and the one whose holy hands are massaging your cracked and dusty feet. Oh, the terrible love of God that includes even you even me, and even them. Let us pray. We ask, O oh God, that you may time and time again bring us to that meal where the Messiah steps aside with his basin of water and his towel and washes our feet, washes those feet, no matter where they've been, 
washes our souls no matter where we've gone, washes our lives so that we may continue to have a part in him and he in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
pray. There are some people in our lives, Lord, that we'd rather not have to deal with. People in our lives that we'd prefer to stay away from. People in our lives that we think may somehow contaminate us. So we ask, O oh God, that by your grace we would be brought back to that room again and see your hands upon our feet and be so filled with your grace that we could do no other than to wash one another's feet. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.